Welcome to the Mind Your Hormones podcast. My name's Corinne, and I'm a board-certified holistic nutritionist who went from no period from mismanaged PCOS to a regular one. Now, I'm obsessed with helping you get hormonally balanced and emotionally aligned. This podcast is all about education, empowerment, real talk, and simple strategies you could start today to find inner peace and overall well-being. I am so excited to be here with you to chat about all things health, hormones, and mindset. Are you ready? Let's get it. Hello, welcome back to Mind Your Hormones. I am always excited you're here, but I can't wait for you to hear today's conversation that I had with Nicole Jardim, who is amazing. If you haven't heard of her, she's the author of Fix Your Period, which is an awesome book. So Nicole is a certified women's health coach. She's a writer, she's a speaker, she's a mentor. She has a bunch of programs that actually empower women to reclaim their hormone health using a method that she created that combines evidence-based information with her little simplicity and her sass. She has such a good personality. We talk all about period health. We talk about the birth control pill. We talk about thyroids. We talk about trusting our bodies and really like what it takes to have a hormonally balanced lifestyle. We get into so many awesome conversations. I absolutely loved chatting with her. I know you're going to be so obsessed with this episode also. I'm going to put all the information that we talk about in the show notes, a longer bio of really like all the work that Nicole has done to impact thousands of people around the world. She also, like I said, she has the books, Fix Your Period. She also has a podcast called The Period Party. All this is going to be linked below. She talks about some resources. Um, We get into a lot of talk about blood work. She talks about resources that she has for free on her website that it's also in the show notes. So if you're driving, if you're working out, if you're mowing your lawn, if you're taking a shower, whatever you're doing. All the resources will be in the show notes for you, but I really can't wait for you to hear this conversation. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Nicole Jardim. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. I'm seriously so honored to have you on the show and chat with you and pick your brain. Your book, Fix Your Period, was incredible. I absolutely loved it. I read it super fast because it was so good. So thank you so much for writing it. Thank you so much for being here. And um, just introduce yourself to the community. Let us know who you are, what you do, what got you into this space. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I really just love doing these kinds of interviews where we're just going to jam out on all things period. <laughs> I love and, it. You know, for, right. I mean, for me, it was one of those sort of classic teenage situations where I had super heavy periods, really bad period pain. I just, I felt like I was skipping school a couple of days every month and, mm-hmm. you know, bleeding through my pajamas going to, I remember going to um, a friend's house and uh, having her mom having to put a towel down on my bed, (laughs) spend spend the night with her. Yeah. You know, things like that. Um, And I just remember being so traumatized by my period because it was so problematic. And my mom was like, well, you know, I had really bad periods too. And if you think this is bad, I can tell you some real horror stories. Mm -hmm. So it was always this idea of, okay, so this is a normal thing. Unfortunately, I have to suffer through this. And I I remember 
I, you know, it was my late teens. So this is multiple years into all of this pain and suffering. And I finally go and see my mom's gynecologist. And she immediately put me on the pill when I described what I was experiencing. And I remember thinking, this is it. I have found the solution. And it really felt that way for a number, I'd say about a year or two. Mm-hmm. And, and then I remember noticing all of these symptoms that started showing up and nobody knew what they were about. You know, I chronic um, UTIs and uh, vaginal infections, super fun stuff, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I remember um, starting to lose my hair and I was developing melasma all over my face. And I remember a dermatologist saying to me, oh, well, you know, that only happens in pregnant women. So not entirely sure what's going on here. So all of these problems were cropping up. But like I said, I saw all these doctors and no one really had a solution. And so it wasn't until I actually ended up in the ER because, or wow. urgent care, not ER. Yeah. Basically the same thing. Yeah. And, um, and I, I had an allergic reaction to a UTI medication. And I remember thinking, okay, I got to figure this out because it's now going on years of no one being able to figure out what's wrong with me. No one ever said that the birth control pill could be causing these symptoms. And I finally uh, saw an acupuncturist and he was the first person who said, hey, might be your pill. And that at first I was, I said, no way, there's no way. And I eventually understood the mechanism by which a pill worked, shutting off ovulation and ovulation is responsible for so many great health benefits. And so that was my turning point. And it, you know, the rest is kind of history, but I really, I decided then and there I was going to change my lifestyle. And, and, and eventually I studied to be a health coach and then did more certifications to learn more about women's health. And so that's how I got here. Oh, I love it. That's so relatable too. I mean, I'm sure the listener could probably relate to at least part of that story where you're experiencing something that you don't want to experience. You go to the doctor and they offer you a medication. Like that's just how the medical system works. And like you said, you're like, okay, awesome. Yes. Like I found the solution. My periods aren't as painful. And then you're experiencing all these other problems with it. It's so easy. So crazy. At least I thought it was. Yeah. So, okay. So let's chat about that for a second then. Let's chat about birth control. Like what is your view on it and what is it actually doing to our bodies? Because like you experienced, you are given this pill and you're told it's going to regulate your period. It's going to get rid of your period cramps, it's going to help your acne, all the things. And you're not told the other side of it. So what is your stance on it? What does it actually do to our bodies? Yeah. I want to preface this by saying that I think everyone should choose the birth control that they want to choose. And this is not a situation where I'm shaming anybody or anything like that for their yes. decisions. Cause I feel like, you know, people are very married to their birth control, which mm-hmm. I completely understand. I certainly was. And anyone trying to tell me that back then that my birth control was the problem, there was no way I was listening to them. It took yeah. my acupuncturist months to convince me actually. And finally I went off of it. But for me personally, I think one of my biggest issues with the prescription of hormonal birth control in general is that it is just used as a band-aid solution for all of these women's health problems. And what I want everyone listening to really understand is that your body is speaking to you. It is telling you in in symptoms what's wrong. And yes. it doesn't know how to speak the language that you understand, but it is telling you something. And so your heavy period is not just a heavy period. And your missing period is not just a missing period. And your regular cycle is not just an irregular cycle. There's so much more going on. And if you're having period problems, it's likely something's been going on with your adrenals and your thyroid for a long time. And maybe something else is happening too. And 
And so coming back to my opinion on birth control, you know, I think we should choose what we need and in the, in that moment in our lives, that's appropriate for us. But I also think that it should be done with fully informed consent, meaning that you are fully informed about the, the risks of this type of medication, because it is a medication and you're also informed of the benefits. Um, and when you have that kind of information, you can make a decision that really is truly informed and for your best interest. Uh, that is not the case in many cases. I feel like so many women are just put on this pill and mm-hmm. then, you know, there are a lot of side effects that come with it. It's, you should, everyone should read the insert. I yeah. remember getting my pill every single month or like whenever I would open a new one and look at this long ass insert and like, just never, I never paid attention to it. Yeah. Ever. Who's reading that? So, right. <laughs> Who the hell is reading that thing? Yeah. Exactly. That fine print. It's ridiculous. Yeah. No one should have to do that, but you should <laughs> ladies. That's what I'm saying. You really should. And what I, what I also want everyone to understand is that hormonal birth control outside of the hormonal IUD, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, uh, is essentially the mechanism by which it works is that it shuts off ovulation. So when it's shutting off ovulation, it's basically making your body infertile, right? So you can't get pregnant. So that's how it works. I can't tell you how many women have said to me, wait, what? I didn't know this. I know. I remember when I first learned that I was like, wait, what? And I was never, I was only on the pill once for like a month. So I was never really on it, but I still never knew that. I was like, wait, that's insane. I had no idea. Nobody, I know nobody really knows what exactly is going on, which I think is kind of a crime in and of itself, (laughs) but so it's shutting off ovulation. And so here's the thing. Ovulation has sort of been treated as this thing that can just happen or not happen. No big deal, but it really is so important. And I know, you know, this cause you read my book and I basically carried on and on about that. And I feel like this is the part where we, we, we kind of go off track and we don't realize that disrupting this fundamental bodily process for a long period of time, because remember the pill wasn't really meant to work for this long. We weren't Mm. really meant to be taking it at 10 years old and then just be on it for two or three decades and then try to get pregnant or whatever. It was really meant to be used for shorter periods of time. And so now we have a situation where so many of us are being put on the pill at younger and younger ages I read an article recently about a woman talking about the fact that she was put on it at eight years old No, for migraines. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I know. Who has migraines at eight years old? First of all, if there, oh, if your child has gosh. migraines, you've got to look deeper into that and yeah. do not put your kid on the pill. Uh, so, yeah, I was wow. stunned by this. That wasn't even the topic of the article. So that was just a side piece. And that was a part that just got me. My but I see this all the time, 10, 11, 12-year-olds for heavy periods, painful periods, things like that. And so what happens is when we shut off ovulation, we're shutting off hormone production, uh, things like estradiol, progesterone, testosterone, which are so crucial to so many bodily processes. Mm-hmm. And, and so and they're a critical component of puberty and that developmental stage. And so when we don't have these hormones, we run into big problems. So for instance, there's research that shows that girls in their late teens and early 20s have uh, bone loss yeah. because they have not been, you know, they've been on the pill for so long and they're not making that estradiol and progesterone, which play a critical role in bone development. So, you know, that's just one, you know, it's one example, mm-hmm. but, you know, estrogen, progesterone support our heart health, our skin. Like I said, you know, I had melasma and it's because I wasn't making any progesterone and progesterone actually supports 
supple, healthy skin. So, you know, when we are not, when we're not making these hormones, our hair suffers, our my hair was falling out. Um, Mm -hmm. our, our sex drive drops significantly. That's the other thing I hear. I, I get messages from 18 year olds who are like, yeah, I've been on the pill for three months and my sex drive has completely gone to zero. And, you know, when you're having these side effects, you can switch pills all you want, but it's never going to change anything because you aren't addressing the underlying problem, which is that you're not ovulating anymore. Exactly. And so that's, you know, so I really want everyone to understand that ovulation is so crucial to our overall health. And it's not just in that first, you know, decade, like the teens, decade of puberty, teens into twenties, it's, so crucial for long-term health into your twenties, thirties, forties. And, you know, and then we go into perimenopause and menopause, but the idea here is that you should ovulate consistently for as long as possible. Obviously there's pregnancy and postpartum. So those are natural non-ovulatory times, right? but you really want to be doing that so that you can support all of these aspects of your health. Yeah. I love that. And it's whether that's someone who's on birth control and they're obviously not ovulating, or if you're someone who's not getting a period and you think it's not a big deal because you don't want to get pregnant right now, because I was on that side of the spectrum. That's how I got into this whole world because I always had an irregular period. And then my period went missing for two years. And my, um, my gynecologist told me, he was like, it's okay. You only need three periods a year. I was like, okay, cool. Like, that's great. (laughs) And I didn't know at the time. And then once I started getting into the space, went back to school for all this stuff, so many women tell me that they hear the same thing. And I'm like, just like it's like you were just saying with ovulation, when you're on birth control, if you're not getting your period regularly, you're also not ovulating. And it's still so important, even if you don't want to get pregnant, because you need to be producing these hormones. So that's another thing we don't hear anything about. No, I know. It's unbelievable. This whole idea of or irregular cycles or no big deal, they're normal, drives me crazy. And it's exactly what you said. There's interesting research that came out, I think last year, uh, about the fact that women are more likely to die, have premature death if they have irregular cycles. Wow. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. Wow. And so there's, you know, multiple causes involved with that, obviously, because mm-hmm. ovulation is, you know, sort of the driver of these hormones. And then these hormones play a role in lots of body processes. But yeah, it's super frustrating. And I think the other thing I wanted to mention too about the hormonal IUD, so that's the oh, yes. Mirena in the US, um, it's, it's one of those it's one of those interesting forms of birth control because people are very confused by it because a lot of women don't get a period with the Mirena mm-hmm. and it's not that it necessarily stops ovulation but it's it's got progestin so that's a fake progesterone and so real progesterone actually does the opposite of estrogen with your uterine lining. So estrogen is the builder, builder, and progesterone comes in and just smooths it all out and decorates the house, that kind <laughs> of thing. And so when we have too much progesterone, um, you know, it'll just like, it'll thin out that lining. So you won't have as much, you know, you won't have a thick lining. I will say, sorry, I should have said, we don't usually have too much progesterone <laughs> when right. we have like progestin in our body. So a lot of it, like with the IUD, it'll just thin that lining out completely and you don't get a period eventually. Mm-hmm. So you'll just spot or you just don't get it at all. So what's interesting though, is that the research shows that that particular IUD, you stop ovulating initially, some people do, and then most people go back to ovulating. But what I've seen in my work is very few people go back to ovulating consistently. So, you know, it's all connected. And so I think that it's important for us to be really tracking our cycles, you know, making sure that you are ovulating if you're on that form of birth control, because you're not bleeding. So you don't really have a gauge for where you are in your cycle or what's actually going on. 
Yeah, exactly. And so with the Mirena IUD, whether you are ovulating or not on it, you still, there are still synthetic hormones in there. So there's still other problems with it aside from just that you're either, even if you are ovulating while you're still on it. Yes, that can, it can definitely be problematic. So yes, it's the, it's the synthetic progesterone. So it's, it's progestin and um, yeah, it can be problematic. So I, you know, obviously I hear about women not ovulating anymore, which like I said, I think is an issue. Mm -hmm. And then also uh, a lot of mood shifts. So a lot of things happen uh, because again, progesterone is great in the right amount, progestin, not so great, right. <laughs> but also really not great when it's, there's too much too of much, it. Right. And so these IUDs, they release a certain amount of hormone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, of course, when they're brand new, they're going to release a little bit more mm-hmm. and then it's slowly, but surely it tapers off and, and then you have it replaced or, or have it taken out. So the problem with the progestin is that it really messes with your mood. If you have a high, you know, if you're, if it's too much for you, mm-hmm. you know, and these are kind of a one size fits all situation. So if you get too much progestin, it might really mess with your mood. So I see a lot of that happening too. Yeah. And it goes back to what you said before, which I always say too, about having informed consent and knowing what, what's actually happening in your body. And then you can make a decision that's good for you, but also knowing what possible side effects could be. So you could look out for it. So you were like, Oh, okay. This is what it's from. And not thinking that you're crazy or that it's normal. Like we have to know what is actually causing these things that are going on in our body. For sure. For sure. And you know, what I really just always try to encourage women to do is to become your own period detective, become an investigator, because this is, like I said, your period is not just your period. It is 100% a reflection of your overall health. And if you are not paying attention, what that means is there are things that are brewing under the surface that are causing these period problems and, uh, you know, and they're going to get worse if you ignore them. Exactly. Yes. Oh, preach. I love it. (laughs) You know, right? Can't Um, help it. (laughs) So one thing you talked about in the book that I loved the way you spoke about it and explained it was the hormonal hierarchy. Can you talk to us about that? Absolutely. I know. I kind of loved this too, because I felt like this really helped explain things to people. It it does. And it explains how like they're all connected. One affects the other, like what's going on. So yeah, definitely dive into that. Okay. Awesome. So everyone who's listening, maybe you haven't read the book or anything like that, but my idea when I came up with this hormonal hierarchy was that, you know, there's sort of tiers of hormones and some are kind of more badass than others. (laughs) So (laughs) they're going to be more influential. Uh, And so what I did was I put cortisol and insulin at the top. And so cortisol, pretty much everyone kind of knows is our, you know, sort of key well-known stress hormone and insulin is the blood sugar regulating hormones. So insulin is the hormone that is released when you eat and it's going to shuttle glucose into your cells so they can be, you know, so the glucose can be used for energy and you can live and survive. (laughs) And so what happens though, is that we live in this ridiculous modern society where we have completely normalized 
uh, the stress overachiever, um, I'm doing everything and I'm rewarded for it mentality. In addition to when it comes to the insulin side of things, uh, we've normalized eating copious amounts of sugar uh, as being no big deal, um, you know, not eating in in sort of a decent amount of time. So we skip breakfast or we skip meals. And so we end up in a situation where our body is just stressed from many different directions. And so we've got all of this external stress and then we got this internal stress going on too, because we're skipping meals or we're not you know, eating breakfast or we're not eating enough food or we're eating too much sugar. It's something that just doesn't work for your body. And we end up in a situation where we're like, we're really just overly stressed. And so these two hormones, they're great in the right amounts, but then what happens is they start to overcompensate when, you know, all of these things are happening in our lives. And as a result, they then have an impact on the tear two hormones and then the tear three hormones. So tear two is pregnenolone and DHEA. And those two hormones are the, uh, I call them the parent hormones essentially. And they're just, they're the hormones that are responsible for creation of our sex hormones. And so when we have, uh, you know, when we have insulin and cortisol, just wreaking havoc on our body, our pregnenolone um, you know, I call this a mother hormone, like I said, so it's converted from cholesterol and it produces things like, uh, progesterone. Um, and then we have DHEA, which produces, uh, hormones like estrogen and testosterone. And so if we are, you know, perpetually in a state of fight or flight because of the cortisol and the insulin, then it has an impact on the pregnenolone and DHEA, the mother hormones. And so we might have issues there and then it can further impact our production of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. It can also impact our melatonin because cortisol and melatonin work together. So Mm -hmm. cortisol is the daytime hormone, melatonin is the nighttime hormone. And so when there's too much dysregulated cortisol, it dysregulates our melatonin. And then in addition to that, our thyroid hormones, that's another one, which I'm sure we can get into more, but thyroid, our thyroid is I mean, it's so crucial and it's just so overlooked, unfortunately, Yes. but yeah. So thyroid hormone is huge. And when we don't have enough of it, we start to have all kinds of problems, particularly period problems. So thyroid and cycles, our menstrual cycles are super connected. Yes. Okay. So let's dive into that since you just brought it up with, first of all, I love that the hierarchy. I love knowing. And that's also why like I'm so big on lifestyle things like sleep and stress for period health, because those top tier hormones, like you were saying, and a lot of people will think that being healthy is just eating well, whatever that means and working out a lot. And I'm like, well, if you're not sleeping well, you're not managing your stress, like this is going to be all messed up. So I love that, um, that you explain that well. And also pregnenolone and DHA, we don't really hear much about. Um, so do we, yeah, I know it's so they're, they're one of those, they're those two hormones. I feel like they're the, um, they're sort of the unsung heroes mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. they basically are responsible for the, all these downstream hormones and yet they get no love at all. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> poor pregnant on a DHEA. Yeah, I know. And they do all these other things too. I mean, that's the thing with pregnenolone, you know, it's really helpful for memory and brain function and mood and motivation, all kinds of things. And then mm-hmm. uh, DHEA as well. I mean, like, I said it in the book, I call it the fountain of youth hormone 
because it helps with insulin sensitivity. It helps with body fat, with inflammation, all kinds of stuff. And we just were like, oh yeah, what are those hormones? Don't even know anything about them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're not anything that's ever tested on blood work. If you just ask for standard blood work, that's just like not even on there, which that's a whole nother topic of blood work. (laughs) Yes, I know. We have to talk about that. And I was going to say just real quick with these hormones, I think that it's important to understand that what this really means with this hierarchy is that you don't have to treat all your individual hormones. Yes. You can just work on exactly what you said. If you, if if people just focused on their sleep, literally just getting eight hours of sleep, possibly nine or even ten, because some mm-hmm. people actually need that, especially if you're in your you're in a state of you know ongoing HPA axis dysfunction that's yes. been probably happening for a long time. Um, that would be a game changer, a complete life changing thing to do. So it just, what it means is that you can just focus on your cortisol and your insulin. So your stress and your blood sugar, and it will have an incredible trickle down effect on your other hormones. I had someone ask me the other day, she was like, well, can I start your program if I have not done a Dutch test because I don't know what hormones are in balance. And I was like, no, honey, (laughs) you don't actually need to test exactly right. You you can actually just start. I feel like everyone wants permission to just do this. And right. Like they need to see the it. proof that things are off. I'm like, the proof is that you don't feel good and that your period's messed up and that all these other things are happening. Like that's your proof right there. I hope that you're enjoying this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it with Nicole. She's so amazing. I absolutely love talking to her. She's such a wealth of knowledge. Her book, Fix Your Period, is amazing. But I just wanted to take a second to interrupt and let you know that every single month, I run free masterclasses. And what a masterclass is, it's just where I sit there, I teach you, I interact with you, and I go really, really deep on a specific topic. Now, depending on when you're listening to this, every single month is a new topic. So if you're interested in learning more about this month's topic and you really love this podcast, you're going to absolutely love the masterclasses because I get to actually connect with you and really teach you in a deeper way than I can actually get across via this podcast. And if you feel like you're learning so much on here and you just want to have more connection with me and really dive in and actually get to interact with me, this is what the masterclass is actually for. I go deep on topics with on hormones, health, mindset. Again, depending on the month is going to depend on the topic. But if you're interested, text Text me the word masterclass to 516-430-5144. And if you're driving right now or you're in the shower or you're on a walk and you can't really do it at the moment, don't worry. In the show notes, just look below. You'll be able to click a link and just text me the word masterclass right there for you. But I'm so excited. I absolutely love doing these free masterclasses because it's another way that I get to connect with you outside of this podcast, outside of Instagram, and I really get to teach you and coach you live. I answer all your questions. And I was a teacher for nine years, so I absolutely love teaching and really interacting with you and getting to be in community with you outside of this podcast. So again, if you're interested, text me the word masterclass to 516-430-5144 and I'll give you the details for this month's topic. And if you're interested in signing up for it, I'll send you the link and get you all signed up. So I am so happy you're here. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And now let's get back into our conversation with Nicole Jardim. Okay. So before we get to blood work, let's talk about the thyroid because this is so huge. So important. I always get questions about this. So what is the thyroid period connection? 
Yes. Okay. So this is really, really important. And so what I want everyone to understand again is like what we were saying with the adrenals and the thyroid. So these two endocrine glands, you know, they produce cortisol and epinephrine and norepinephrine. So the stress hormones and then thyroids producing T3 and T4. Um, those hormones are also produced in other parts of the body as well. But what I think is most important is your thyroid is quite delicate. And I feel, I feel like we just don't even know anything about it. So we just kind of ignore it. Uh, but when it goes wrong or goes awry, we know because we have all of these problems. And so what's most important to know is that every cell in your body has has receptors for thyroid hormone. So when your thyroid doesn't work, it feels like a full body nightmare. And, And right. It's crazy. And so, you know, a lot of the time what's most prevalent is low thyroid function or hypothyroidism. And so that's when you're experiencing cold hands and feet, or you might not be able to regulate your body temperature. So you're constantly cold, even in the summertime. You might be experiencing hair loss. You might have, um, you know, like, or hair that's dry and straw-like even. Um, You might have skin issues, so dry skin. You might have really brittle nails that don't grow properly. So those are all kinds of, you know, symptoms that typically show up. Um, On the flip side of that, there's hyperthyroidism. So that's an overactive thyroid. Again, that brings a whole lot of, it brings the opposite set of symptoms actually than low thyroid function. So think, um, you know, anxiety and you can't regulate your blood, your body temperature either. You're more hot. Uh, You tend to have um, bulging eyes, you know, so symptoms like that show up with hyperthyroidism. Um, And when it comes to your period, what we don't realize is that thyroid disease doesn't matter what type of thyroid disease. So as long as your thyroid is being disrupted or impacted, uh, it will cause a problem with ovulation. Mm -hmm. And this can lead to a a deficiency in, you know, all of your hormones, really progesterone in particular, because you need to ovulate in order to make progesterone. Um, And so this happens because uh, thyroid disease actually disrupts, uh, production of hormones like prolactin, FSH, and LH. And so think of your brain as hormonal headquarters. And so what's happening is FSH and LH are coming from your brain and they're talking to your ovaries and they're telling your ovaries to make the little follicles so that you get your egg ready for ovulation. And so, uh, and also prolactin is a hormone that's typically really high in breastfeeding, it helps with milk production, Mm. but, um, thyroid disease can disrupt prolactin and actually make it high, which Mm. will, and and prolactin is natural birth control. It stops you from ovulating. It's great when you're breastfeeding, right? So great when you're not breastfeeding. Uh, so you could have high prolactin and then you could have disrupted FSH and LH. And so this is a whole problem. Mm -hmm. And then you don't ovulate or you ovulate irregularly. So all these women who go on the birth control pill for irregular cycles, I'm just thinking, oh my God, what's going on with their thyroid? Is there something there? You know, is there something, is there stress that, you know, their cortisol is just too high and their brain is just getting the red alert all the time. And it's saying to the ovaries like, Hey, let's hold off on ovulation. So what, you know, there could be multiple things happening. And so that's why the pill is just not the solution to this kind of thing. Exactly. So that's the first thing that, you know, is a problem. The second thing is that hypothyroidism actually deprives your follicles of thyroid hormone and you need thyroid hormone in order for those follicles to develop. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they need a little bit of a boost from your thyroid hormones. 
And so when they don't have that, you know, we run into problems. So again, this is just a really good example of the incredible interconnection of all the endocrine glands and the hormones and how they all work together. So to anyone who's thinking, oh, well, I might have a hormonal imbalance. It might be estrogen. It might be progesterone. It might be whatever. Just know that they're all talking to each other all day long and they really are working together. And so there's never really a a specific hormone imbalance that you have to be working on per se. Yes. Um, I would say the other thing that I think is really important is that hypothyroidism actually reduces something called sex hormone binding globulin Mm -hmm. or SHBG. And so this will lead to potentially higher estrogen circulation in the body and therefore heavier periods. So this is one of the reasons why heavier periods is associated with hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. The other is that, like I just said, ovulation might not be happening. You might not be making enough progesterone. So you might be become estrogen dominant. And so you end up in a situation where not enough progesterone to smooth out the estrogen uh, that's building your uterine lining. And uh, so you end up with a situation where you have heavier periods. Um, Hyperthyroidism actually increases SHBG. So this means potentially lower estrogen and this means lighter periods. So Mm -hmm. one of the signs of hyperthyroidism is those lighter, scantier, more irregular periods, whereas hypo is often heavier, more painful and, um, and more frequent periods. So those are just a few of the examples (laughs) of what can happen here. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. It's crazy. Um, Yeah, I know. It's it's unbelievable. And again, this is always, not always, but it's often overlooked. And I think that's so unfortunate because it it, it generally, women's bodies are not that complicated. I know what I just said probably sounds a little complicated, but (laughs) it's really not. And, you know, and if we give our bodies what they need, they're going to respond in a great way. Yeah. <laughs> just and a matter it, of figuring that out. It seems complicated because so often we're doing things that are causing all these imbalances because of just modern day living, modern stress, day-to-day stress of just the society we live in now where, like you said, we're too busy doing things. So we're skipping meals or we're doing like 20 hour in, intermittent fastings, or, you know, we're yes. not sleeping. We're over-exercising. Like we're putting so much stress on our bodies and, that's what's shown as normal, or that's what's shown as like, oh, you have to do this in order to be successful. And this is what's causing so many problems. So it seems super complicated, but it's like, it's really not. If you just stop living in this way, everything becomes a lot easier. Right. It totally does. I completely agree with you. And I feel like we've, we've overcomplicated things. Like that's the Mm -hmm. part that I can't take anymore is that Mm -hmm women come to me and they're just like, well, I was told I should intermittent fast for 16 hours and that I should cut carbs or I should go keto or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just keep thinking, well, a lot of this research is based on men, on men's bodies, on men's cycles, not on women's cycles. Um, Men have a 24-hour cycle. Women have a much longer cycle. we got this monthly thing going on. Uh, (laughs) Totally different body types. We make babies. Our hormones are completely different. The the bias that exists in research is so frustrating because we have gotten wrong information for decades and decades. And it's only now starting to shift. So Mm -hmm. I really encourage everyone to maybe stop looking outside of themselves so much and start really looking for answers inside. Yes. And if you're fasting for 16 hours and you feel like shit, don't, don't do it anymore. Like seriously, just don't do it anymore. Women really need to eat. We need carbohydrates. Yes. We need protein. We need fat. 
we need a lot of it sometimes. And yeah. ovulation time, we need even more because ovulation is an incredibly energy intensive exercise yes. that's taking place in our bodies. Yeah. We're literally releasing an egg, guys. Right. And our <laughs> you know? bodies are old. Like, like you said, we grow humans in our bodies. And even if like, you're like, well, I'm not trying to get pregnant. It doesn't matter if your body doesn't, doesn't know that. Your body's always trying to do that, obviously around ovulation time. So it's like, if we're like you said, if you're feeling like shit when you're doing these intermittent fastings or you're not sleeping, it's like, well, like take a look at that. I love that. Look within. We oh, so often we look outside. Like, oh, this person looks like they're really fit and healthy. Like, I have to do what they're doing. Yes. First of all, you don't know what's going on behind the the doors, behind the curtains. You have no idea how this person's feeling. And if it's not feeling good to you, then that's a sign that you need to be doing something different, or just take a step back and really ask, like, what does my body actually need from me right now? Yes. I could not agree with you more. I feel like this is so crucial. I think that generally girls and women are, we get the message from a young age to not trust our bodies Mm -hmm. or to not trust the symptoms that we're experiencing or to question it. There's a lot of distrust. I feel like there's also a lot of, um, you know, feelings of this is a, this body is a burden and, uh, you know, and, and there's something wrong with it. It's Mm -hmm. something wrong with being a girl or being female. And so I really encourage everyone to think back to when you started to think that way about your body. Cause like, when did you trust your body? Cause I distinctly remember I, you know, I was going into what's, you know, middle school essentially here. Cause like I told you, I'm not from here originally, but yes. so I was probably 11, 12 ish. Yeah. 11. And I remember, you know, I knew my period was coming. Like I could feel it. So it's like close to 12 actually. Mm-hmm. And I remember having pads in my backpack. I was so sure. <laughs> I was like, I know this is coming and I trust my body. Like I remember trusting my body. And then I remember not trusting it for like two decades. Yeah. So, you know, but just think back to who told you not to tune in and, you know, and, and who made you wrong for that or who shamed you into that? Because I distinctly remember when I was going to get it and I, and I got it, I got my period. Thank God. I wore a pad that day to school. Like I no just way. I That's know, right? so wild. There was like a little bit of spotting. So I thought, Oh, let me just be cautious. Yeah. And you know, and so I just think that, you know, we're just, we're so scared of our bodies. There's so yes. much fear. And it's because of this patriarchal medical system that mm-hmm. makes us, like I said, distrust these systems that are completely normal and healthy. And then we shut it all down for two decades. And then we're told, Oh, well, you can just get off of this pill or this, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you'll get pregnant, no big deal. And if you don't, don't worry, we got something for that too. Yep. We basically go through our entire lives completely disconnected from our cyclical nature, our Mm -hmm. amazing bodies that do incredible things. Yeah. Uh, And we fear them and we hate them. And yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to change that. Oh, I <laughs> love stop, stop now. <laughs> yeah, no, but I love that question too of really thinking back like when was the last time you remember trusting your body? I love that question. Yeah. And it's it's such another message in society of oh, of course like your body it sucks to be a girl cuz you have a painful period and you have to deal with all this crap and oh it sucks for you. It's like, well, you don't have to have that experience. That's just the experience we have when we don't know what's going on in our bodies. Yes. Oh, oh my it's god. So true. I completely agree. Um I think everyone just as a general takeaway, the more you know about your body, the less you'll fear it, the less mm-hmm. misunderstanding, the less anger and hatred you'll feel towards it. Yeah. Just remember PMS and pain 
are not normal. Exactly. They're just, you're told, you might've been told they are, but they're not. And, yeah. you know, I always talk about the fact that pain in any other part of our body is considered abnormal. I mean, it's yes. not, it's not a thing, right? It's indicative oh of something being wrong. Exactly. How can your uterus be different? That's How is so it that wild. uterine pain doesn't mean anything? It just right. is, should be dismissed. I, I can't tell you how many women have said to me, I ended up in the ER for my period pain and yeah. I was sent off with painkillers or told, told that it was on, in my head or that it wasn't ba- as bad as I was saying. I mean, talk about medical gaslighting. It's just, it's coming from so many directions. And I think that that's a problem too. And so of course we lose trust in ourselves and Mm -hmm. and what's normal and what's not. Oh, I love that. So good. So good. So let's touch on um, the blood work quick because that actually ties really well into the thyroid that we were talking about because this is one of the major things that gets overlooked on blood work for normal ranges, all that BS that goes into it. So let's chat about that. Let's, oh my gosh. I know. Where do I even begin? I know. You know, (laughs) okay. So there's a few rules with blood work. Okay. So the first thing is I get a lot of what should I test? Mm -hmm. And a lot of, well, my test results are normal, but I still feel terrible. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing is with what you should be testing. Um, if you, first of all, if you can't get testing, do not worry about it. You can still start to make changes to your lifestyle and, you know, to your diet, things like that. And you will see improvements. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind. I know we both know this, right? Yeah. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is if you can get tested, you know, and, and say your doctor is willing to just do blood testing, which is totally fine for hormones, by the way, mm-hmm. um, you know, have them test estradiol, uh, and testosterone progesterone, as well as, uh, if you're experiencing PCOS like symptoms. So, you know, this, this is hair growth on your face or on your chest, hair loss on your head, uh, weight gain for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, acne, things like that. So these are classic signs of, of PCOS. You want to test the androgens. So mm-hmm. like I said, testosterone, DHEA, uh, you want to test androstenedione. I'm trying to think if there's another one. Um, yeah, those three, those are pretty much good enough. Um, and you want to make sure you're testing progesterone five to seven days post ovulation. Yeah. So I get this a lot too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a can't lot test it on day three. Day cycle. Exactly. Like, you can't test that on day three. <laughs> yeah. So you want to test progesterone five to seven days post ovulation. I actually have a whole hormone testing cheat sheet on my website because I feel like it's so confusing. Okay, cool. Um, I'll link it in uh, the show yeah. notes. Okay. Awesome. Amazing. What's your website? Um, it's NicoleJardim.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yes. So so those are kind of the basics that you want to test. And then with the thyroid, you want to ask for a full thyroid panel. Mm-hmm. And so that includes TSH. It includes free T3, sorry, free T3 and free T4. Um, and you want to do the antibodies, mm-hmm. um, uh, TPO and TGAB. So that will help to determine whether there might be an autoimmune component to your thyroid issues. And this is really helpful if you're experiencing some of those symptoms I described. Also, you can totally look up uh, the symptoms of thyroid dysfunction as well. So, and then, you know, like I said, on the hormone testing cheat sheet, I use the optimal ranges because this is the other thing, right? So that I was just about to say normal. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But I feel terrible. What's going on? Yeah. I know. I mean, this is unfortunately a problem and it stems from the fact that 
the conventional medical ranges for a lot of these uh, these hormones it, it are just a little outdated. Mm-hmm. And so we end up in a situation where, uh, you know, we don't feel good, but the test result has come back normal and within range yep. because it's an outdated range. And so you need it like, for instance, TSH is a good one. So that's thyroid stimulating hormone. So for anyone who doesn't know that comes from your brain, tell just like, you know, the FSH and LH stimulating hormones, from your brain to whatever gland to talk to your gland and tell it what to do. So TSH tells your thyroid to make thyroid hormone. But, you know, what is unfortunate is that generally a TSH of four or four and a half or even five is generally accepted in conventional medicine. I know. And that's really high. Yeah. I mean, from a, an, an optimal or functional medicine range, as you well know, is, you know, mm-hmm. we're looking at two or less. Yeah. So that's really what you're trying to you know, aim for. And again, I'm very much about the symptoms. I feel like testing is really wonderful, but I think that a lo- we can learn a lot from what we're experiencing. I so, agree. you know, the testing is, is something that can be super helpful, but just trust your symptoms, trust yourself. Yes. Right. Your body doesn't saying, lie. Yeah, it doesn't. Exactly. Neither does your period. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. Knows. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, she'll tell you what's up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So that's, that's where I would start with the testing and just know again, that you don't need testing to get, get answers necessarily. Like you can make a lot of changes and see a lot of improvements. And I think that the ongoing quest for more and more testing and more and more expensive testing too Mm -hmm. is not a great thing. I mean, we don't need to spend this much money on our health. I really don't believe that unless we have really severe problems and we're working with someone who, you know, has to dig deeper and deeper, but Mm -hmm. the sort of phase one of healing really should be like we were talking about the food and the stress management and the sleep. Right. Start there. Yeah, exactly. You'll see so many benefits (laughs) just from sleeping. (laughs) Seriously. Right. I know. Such a shocker. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to link that in the show notes. So the, to your website, cause that's amazing resource. And that's such a common problem where people will say that their blood work is normal. I had this issue too. And then, you know, things are not normal. So really quick to go back to the thyroid, because it just popped into my head. Yeah. A lot of women will come to me and they'll say, oh yeah, like I know my thyroid's messed up. It's just genetic. So like, I know I'm going to always have to be on medication. Yeah. So do what do you have to say to that? Like, are there ways, like just give some hope to the listener if this is what they're experiencing that, you know, of course there's a time and place for medication and all of that, but you know, there are ways to naturally manage everything like with this. And that just because it's genetics doesn't mean that you are just bound to always live in, you know, suffering like that. Oh my gosh. I really love this. And I so appreciate this perspective because I feel like we, we've sort of been told this story that it's just your genetics. And so Mm -hmm. what does that do to you? Like when you hear, if you're a woman who's sitting at a doctor's office and you're told that, does that make you feel empowered or completely hopeless? And right. And to me, it's just like, shoot, okay, well, I can't do anything about this. It reminds me of when I was a teenager and my mom said, well, you know, I had terrible period problems. So, you know, this is just our lot in life. Right. And so you you will too. Right. And I am 41 now. I do not have period problems anymore. You know, there's a few little niggly things happening because, you know, perimenopause, super yeah. fun. <laughs> but, you know, I just feel like this does not, it's, your your genes are not your destiny. This is not mm-hmm. something that you just have to accept as being the thing that I have to deal with for the next 30 years of my life. I mean, that is to me, 
so depressing. And I want everyone to really have the courage to take action and do some research and figure out a different way forward. Because yes, you may need medication. There may be so much damage done to your thyroid that you actually need medication, which it definitely happens. And there's no doubt about that. But what I think is that the sooner you catch a problem, like a thyroid condition, for instance, the likely, the higher the likelihood of you, uh, you know, address stopping it and right. possibly not needing medication. But for someone, what I see a lot of is women are on the birth control pill. They develop thyroid problems um, because hormonal birth control, unfortunately, can cause thyroid problems in someone who is genetically susceptible. Right. Um, and that ends up, and then they end up on thyroid medication. Mm-hmm. So while on the pill. So again, we're not told these things. So I think that there's so much. I mean, when I think about, you know, autoimmune thyroid disease is yeah. the most common yeah. cause of hypothyroidism in, in sort of the Western world. Mm-hmm. And when you think about autoimmune disease, it all starts in the gut. And so it's not necessarily a problem with your thyroid. It's almost like a problem of mistaken identity. So something is happening, right? Where foreign pathogens are passing through your intestinal lining, which by the way, is a tube within your tube. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) nothing should really pass through besides nutrients ultimately. And so these foreign pathogens are passing through, they're mistaking your thyroid tissue, which is healthy tissue for, um, you know, bad things. And it's essentially, you know, it's like your immune system is just mistaking your thyroid tissue and it's attacking it. So that's autoimmunity 101, right? It's, it's mistaking healthy tissue and attacking it. Mm. Uh, we can 100% stop that. Uh, in some cases damage can be reversed. It just depends again on so many factors and I'm no expert on autoimmune diseases by any means, but Mm -hmm. I've seen kind of amazing things happen. Yeah. So I, I just want everyone to just to trust their bodies. And if you, if you're told what you just described where you're told, Oh, well, this is just your genes and this is it for you. Mm-hmm. Get a second opinion. Uh, trust that that's not necessarily true for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really look into other options, but the only way through that, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure you'd agree with me is that mm-hmm. you have to start taking action for yourself. Yes. And, you know, and, the food component, I feel like food is just so huge. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about this recently on Instagram. I said that either your diet, the way you eat, what you're eating is the number one, can be the number one cause of hormonal imbalances or the number one cause of feeling great. Yeah, and, you exactly. Know, and, it, and some people were saying to me, oh, well, what about stress? And I said, yes, absolutely. Stress is huge. Yeah. But the, what you're eating is going to make you more resilient to stress. Right. So at the end of the day, we have to just figure out what food works for us. And mm-hmm. really, it just comes down to stabilizing your blood sugar and feeding mm-hmm. yourself enough. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just think a lot of us just aren't eating enough of the right foods and the right totally. nutrients. And so yeah. we're essentially starving yeah. and, um, and our bodies can't work properly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, I feel like this is such a loaded question, but I really just want everyone to start to think about the fact that most of this starts in the gut. Yes. <laughs> the research oh, really supports it. that. Yes. Yeah. The gut's connected to everything. Everything. And like you said, just because it might be part of your genes, whether it's thyroid issues or anything, doesn't mean that it's they're going to be turned on, right? Like if you are right. supporting yourself, if you know, just because if you're young, you're like, oh, I know my mom or dad has this, so I'm just going to get it. 
No, you might be more susceptible, like you said, but that doesn't mean that it needs to be turned on if you know how to care for your body. And just going back to listening to your body, taking care of it and like changing some of your habits. Like that's, it sounds so simple, but it becomes simple once you know how to actually take care of yourself. Yes. I completely agree with that. And I I think, again, if we're told that this is, you know, we often get the message that there's nothing we can do Mm -hmm. (laughs) at all. It's just, well, yeah, I take this medication and just call it a day. And Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people resign themselves to that because they just don't realize there are other options, but there really are. There's so many other options. And I just want everyone to know that. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. That was amazing. So, um, okay. I have one last question that's kind of unrelated to what we've been talking about, but kind of related. So (laughs) (laughs) what would you say or suggest to a woman who is like seemingly healthy, but she's having trouble getting pregnant? What would you suggest to someone who might be having that experience? Because I see this all the time where women are struggling to get pregnant, whether a lot of times it's because they were on the pill for a decade and now they're off. They're like, but I'm healthy. You know, I'm working out Mm -hmm. all the time. I'm eating really well, but like, I don't understand what's happening. Oh my gosh. I know. I hear this a lot too. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's kind of what I was talking about before. I feel as though, uh, first of all, one of the things, things I would do, I would start with the, the basics. So mm-hmm. I'd want to see what they're eating, yeah. what that person is eating, how much they're eating. I would want them to be testing their blood sugar to see what's happening with their blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you have blood sugar, that's soaring and crashing and soaring and crashing on a roller coaster all day, pretty much every day, uh, that creates so much inflammation internally. It really creates problems for the body. Yeah. And, you know, and then you have the insulin problems w- that come with that. And I think that that's a huge issue. I would really want to make sure that they're, they're sleeping, that they're exercising, but not too much. Yeah. Because, and I mean, ultimately, are they ovulating? Mm. When are they ovulating in their cycle? Yes. Are, you know, are they having sex? at the right time in their cycle. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that where yeah. someone's ovulating on day 17, but she was told to have sex on days 12, 13, 14, 14 yeah. right? because mm-hmm. you're ovulating on day 14 or something. So just missing the window. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really want to investigate the sperm health of her partner. Yes. I mean, this is it's the not always the woman. <laughs> I know it's pretty much 50, 50 and you know, it's so overlooked. And when you look at the parameters for sperm count and, uh, you know, morphology and all of those parameters, I'm not super familiar with sperm cause that's not my forte, but yeah. you <laughs> <Same>. know, but <laughs> when you're right. But when you look at those parameters and I know this because I have a lot of friends who work in the fertility realm and they, are just amazed by what they're seeing now. I mean, sperm counts have plummeted to levels we've never seen before. Uh, There are a lot of DNA issues with sperm. Mm. So it's the same for our eggs as it is for sperm. There are cells in our body that are, you know, they're sort of like original cells and our bodies aren't able to produce them properly anymore because we're so bombarded by all of these lifestyle things, not, not to mention the environmental chemicals. I mean, that's one of the biggest uh, offenders apparently for sperm um, because since the seventies, sperm counts have dropped in half. Wow. And yeah. 60% actually since wow. the late seventies. It's bad. That's insane. It's so bad. And 
it's, they talk about electromagnetic fields. They talk about uh, environmental chemicals in particular. Mm. And so I think that that's a big part of it. And unfortunately the solution to male infertility is IVF, which the Mm -hmm. woman has to go through. And what we should be doing is getting our men to the point where, you know, their sperm is back to where it needs to be in order to get pregnant naturally. We're not, we're not so focused on that, which Mm. is really unfortunate. Yeah. those I'm are so some glad of the things I would really look at. Yeah, I'm so glad you you mentioned that because we always think, oh, if if there's fertility problems, it, it has to be the woman. Of right? course, it must be I'm the defective. woman's issue. Yes, of course. Like, well, there's another person involved in this. Maybe it's his issue. Right? If it's in a like heterosexual relationship, like maybe that's what's going on. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'm so glad you said that. And also with tracking ovulation, um, I did a podcast episode on this. I'll put this in the show notes, but a lot of people will just use the ovulation test strips and that's not always super accurate either. Like uh, recommend tracking ovulation with basal body temperature, cervical fluid, like actually using your body to track it instead of just these strips that so many women are telling me they're using. I'm like, but they're not always accurate. (laughs) Not at all. I find the test strips are really challenging. And so everyone, just so you all know, the test strips are testing LH levels. So LH is that luteinizing hormone. It spikes up right before the estrogen surge that happens with ovulation, Mm -hmm. triggers ovulation but LH can surge multiple times Mm -hmm. and your body can try to ovulate multiple times. So you might be getting these positive test strips multiple times, but it will never indicate that ovulation happened. Yes. That's the other problem. Yes. You might not even have ovulated. I'm like, throw the strips out. (laughs) Right. Yes. Thank you. I completely agree. Definitely throw the strips out. Don't even waste your time. Get a basal temperature or thermometer. Yes. Start taking your basal temperature every single morning. You will see a spike. If you're ovulating, you will not see a spike. If you're not ovulating. It's as simple as that. Right. Pay attention to your cervical fluid. That's another shocker for everyone too. I I know really amazing because you're like, wait, what is happening down there exactly? Yeah. (laughs) It's so amazing. Once you learn everything we should have learned in school, but we missed the memo. I know we certainly did. So now we have to educate ourselves, ladies. (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you so much for being here. Everyone go check out Nicole's book, Fix Your Period. And also tell us anything you want to leave the listener with and where they can find you, work with you, all the resources, all the things. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And I, you know, I just want everyone to, again, just take away uh, that your body is not broken. Mm -hmm. Your body is always working for you. It's remarkable. I think, you know, we have one in a, a one in what, 4 billion chance of being in the exact makeup that we're in right now. And just trust that your body is talking to you and yes. that she's on your side. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay. And now where can we find you? So I am at NicoleJardim.com. So that's where I have my blog and programs and things like that. And then I'm mostly on Instagram, (laughs) taking a bit of a break right now, but yes, Nicole M. Jardim. And, um, and I also have a podcast too called the period party. So amazing. I'll link all this in the show notes so you can go check it out and your book, you can get anywhere books are sold, right? That thing, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the book book. I wrote. (laughs) Yes. That thing. Yes, of course. (laughs) Fix your period. You can find it anywhere books are sold. And I also, you can go to fixyourperiod.com. I have a list of all the countries where it's being sold and bookstores and things like that too. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. This was such an awesome conversation. I so appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is such a great conversation. Yay. 
Thank you so much for being here. If you loved this episode and learned something valuable, please share it with a friend who you think would also love it or post it on social media and tag me so I could personally say thank you for helping me spread this important message. I am beyond grateful to be here with you. So until next time, stay intentional, stay consistent, and always mind your hormones.